Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more info, you can check us out on Facebook at Life Church of Columbia. I focus back on him. All of a sudden, the very next words are, But you, O Lord, you're a shield for me, my glory, and the one who lifts up my head. I cried to the Lord with my voice, and he heard me from his holy heel. That's it right there. That's the one. I cried out to him, and he heard me. He doesn't have to come. He just always does. He doesn't owe us anything. He's just so good, he always ends up showing up. He always ends up coming. When life is the craziest, the most hectic, things are out of control, I don't know what's going on, everybody's saying this and saying that, the trouble has increased, I always realize he loves to come. He just loves it. Gosh, he loves it so much. I'm going to try to stay calm today. Jason, let's show him Romans chapter 5. Can we, do, can we jump over there to that? I'm just going to read off the screen so I don't have to lose my place here. For when you, stinking sinners, yeah, all y'all, and me. For when we were without strength, we were weak, we were pathetic, we were poor, Maybe. I know I was. In due time, Christ died for me. I was the ungodly. For scarcely would a, for a righteous man would someone die, yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even consider dying because the person's so good. Verse 8, first two words, but God. But God. So while you're in your pity party and you're finding all the reasons and excuses why everything's so bad about you, I want you to just remember Romans chapter 5, verse 8, but God. But God, lost my spot, demonstrates his own love. There we go. Demonstrates his own love towards us that while we were still being stupid. Is there kids in here? Don't use that word. Christ died for us. While I was still doing anything and everything I wanted, while he knew what I would do, he still died. He still died. So you know what? The thing is, you didn't get in this thing because it was going to give you a position, because it was going to give you a class on Wednesday night. You didn't get in this because it was going to put you on a stage. You didn't get into this because it was going to give you influence and opportunity. You got into it for one reason, and that one reason is you were a sinner, and God loved you so much, he came and died in your place. He came and took everything you deserve and put it on himself. The whole thing's not even about you. It's not about us. It's not about what we're in. The whole thing is just about Jesus. It's just the fact that you have to stop, pause for a minute, and remember, it's just because of Jesus. Why did I start speaking to this group? Why did I start ministering in this area? Why did I start giving in this area? Because Jesus was so good to me, I thought, you know what? i got to give this to someone else. Freely I have received. Freely I'm going to give it to someone else. So the very thing that you're in now, that you're considering to be your burden, and it's your weight, and I don't know how I'm going to go on, and I don't know how to continue, all started because you felt so in love with Jesus because he was so good to you that you thought, I need to give this to someone else. And the very thing that you loved so much, now you can't stand to be around because you turned it into a business. Because you turned it into, I got to get this done. I got to get to the next one. I can't pause for a moment. I got to come up with this and then come up with that. And you forgot the whole thing was just about Jesus. The whole thing with David was he just sat in the field and loved on God and it put him in the palace. He never looked for the palace. He never asked for the palace. 
He never asked for position. He never asked for ministry. He never asked to be anywhere. He just kept loving on God, and it brought him to a place. And that place always brings trouble. That's why David would stop and say, Selah. It reminds me of Usa. Usa. <laughs> like, you see what I'm saying? But we get in this place, and we're so, we're so bogged down. We have to land that next one. We have to get to that next thing. We have to come up with that next message. We have to come up with the next service. I have to get the next job. I have to sell the next thing. I have to do whatever it may be. And we forget all about where it started. And we forget that he's just that good. Jason, I didn't give you this, but can you look one up for me real quick? Revelations chapter 2, verse 4. So I feel like this is where we end up so many, time, so many times. Jesus is talking to a church in Revelations that is doing awesome. They're doing some incredible things. They have got the business down. They know how to do church. They know how to do outreach. They know how to do ministry. They know how to do all the things. They're constantly doing them. They are rocking it where they are at. And he says, nevertheless, I have this one thing against you. You've left your first love. You forgot what started all this. You've become so busy with doing the work that you forgot how this all started. It all started because you fell so in love with him. And he was so good to you. That's what started it all. That's what started it all. That's what started your marriage. Don't forget what started it. Because what happens is when you get busy in the business, you leave your first love. You leave date night. And you leave doing whatever you can to put that person before you. And you start thinking about how, as a consumer, do I get everything I can get out of this relationship instead of saying, how do I put everything I can into the relationship? But we turn into consumer-driven people. And we do it in our businesses. We do it in our homes. We do it in our relationship with friends. We do it with our wives. We, everything becomes about what can I get out of this thing because we forgot it all started because he just loved us so much. All this. Because I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you all. When you're in a pastor's position, there's so many reasons to quit. <laughs> there's a whole lot. It gets very busy and it gets very involved. And there's so many. And you start getting so focused on all of these things. Until you have to have one of those moments where you step back and say, yeah, but I'm only here because I just, I love him so much. And it may get crazy and it may get wild, but I'll do whatever it takes because I know it just started. But God demonstrated his love for me. Jason, can you give me the one right after that? I think it's verse 5. I hope it's in verse 5. Remember there from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works or else I will come to you quickly. Place from your tent. Maybe that's not it. Verse 6, what is that? No, that's not it. So what we have to do is get back to the moments where I remember why did this thing even start in the first place? Because if I get so consumed with all the moving parts and make sure this is in the right place and that's in the right place, make sure I land this and I get that and uh, whatever it may be, whatever your thing may be, when we get so consumed with that, we become like David and we start only focusing on 
all of the trouble, all of the weight, all that's going on, all that's happening. I don't think I can stand under this. I don't think I can keep this going. Guess what? It wasn't you that put you there. The problem is when we start thinking it's us that put us there, so it's us that has to keep us there. And when we find ourselves in that position, I begin to find myself in the place, uh, especially with the business, or, or just, just to see both, with the business and with the church, of seeing myself in a position of saying, how am I going to handle operating in both of these successfully? How can I keep this up? How can I keep this going? And, and I was up till well after midnight working on bids and over here at the church before daylight trying to pray and study and get ready for the next thing that's coming and just running myself ragged, stressed out to the max until God just had to pump the brakes on me and remind me, I put you there. You were young. You didn't know much. But you just loved me and you kept loving me, so I kept putting you in places. What's problem is when you get into the place and then you think, what do I do to keep me in this place? What Colby said earlier was so good. If I think the success of Family Built solely rides on what I can put together, then Family Built's already failed. Family Built's already failed. Why? Because I didn't put myself there. He put me there. So I have to constantly keep reminding myself, I just love Jesus, and this is where he put me. I just went after Jesus, and this is where he put me. And if this is where he put me, if I keep loving him and I keep going after him, he's going to keep sustaining me in that place. We have to remember that the whole thing is, is just about Jesus. It's not about all of the things you can acquire and come up with and make happen. It's not about all that. If you get focused on that, you'll, you'll burn out. You'll burn out and you'll find a reason to step away from the church, from the ministry, from whatever it may be. You'll find some reason because you're just burnt out from trying to sustain the things. But let me tell you, it's just about him. And can I tell you, if this is where you're at, this is what I love so much about the God we serve. He's so much better than us that he gave us a story in the Old Testament. And it was these two. His name was Jose and her name was Gomer. You ever heard the story in the Old Testament? And she chooses to leave him for someone else multiple times. And you know what Jose keeps doing? He keeps going right back and getting her. Nope, you're coming home with me. You're going to be my wife. I love you too much to leave you out here. This is what you're called to be. This is who you're called to be. You're called to be my wife. You're pure. You're holy. You're righteous. You're the one that you're supposed to be. And then she would say, you know what? I'm leaving again. And she would go put herself on an auction block to be sold to the highest bidder. And he would come out and say, okay, you're coming with me. Well, now she's given herself to someone else. So now she's not free anymore. So now Hosea says, now I'm not just going out of my way to give my time. Now she sold herself, so he has to go in his own pocketbook and say, is that what she's worth? I'll pay you twice as much because that's mine. And he brings her back home again. This is the Father. This is the goodness of God. So we get so bogged down with the business of things and the way things operate that we forget he's Hosea. And every time we leave and every time we mess up and every time we're gone and we run off, he's just coming right back to us. I know you blew it. I know you gave up. I know you walked away. I'm here again. You can come back with me. Every single time. And then he brings it over the New Testament and we have Peter. Thank God for Peter. Peter's so relatable. And Peter, who walked closer to Jesus than probably anybody but John. 
And the first time everything goes wrong, which it didn't go wrong, it went exactly how Jesus told them it was going to go. They just didn't want it to go that way, so they called it wrong. That's a whole other message. So as soon as that happened, Peter says, I'm going back to fishing. So Peter leaves everything he's been taught and known for three years. Everything Jesus poured into him, every ounce of himself that he gave to Peter, Peter said, you know what, I'm going back to fishing. I'm going back to what I know. Guess what Jesus did? <laughs> no, you ain't. Comes out of the grave, figures all kinds, of, does all kinds of amazing stuff, and of all the things you can imagine Jesus had to do in that moment, guess what he did? Where's Peter at? I need to find my way to the beach. Why? Because Peter chose to leave and Jesus chose to chase him. This is the gospel. This is what this whole thing's about. We get so bogged down with everything else, we forget we're Peter, we're Gomer, we're the prodigal son, we're all those that he just keeps coming after and he keeps coming back to you. He just keeps chasing us down. And every time I put myself on an auction block to be sold to the highest bidder, Jesus shows up and says, I'll outbid all of them. I'll outpay everything you can imagine. That's what this whole thing is about. And we keep turning it into a business, burning ourselves out and leaving. Quitting. Going a different direction. Whatever it may be. Laying things down. Whatever the thing may be. We keep doing all that. Why? Because we made it a business and we're tired of doing it. You know what I don't get tired of doing? Loving my wife. Why? Because we do what it takes to make sure that it's a relationship and not a business. We fight for it. We strive for it. We make sure that it's the most important thing. I tell them all the time, if there's one thing my kids will know when they grow up, it's that I was completely, madly in love and obsessed with my wife. They will have no doubt. There's one thing they will be confident of, and it's that thing. Why? Because I refuse to make it a consumer business. I'm not here to get anything out of this relationship. I'm here to give everything I can to her. And she does the same. It's the same way. It's the same way. Some of you are in a position right now where your relationship with God and the church and ministry and all of those things have become so consumer-driven and it's become such a business, you need to shut everything down and have a date night. When things get too busy, you know what me and my wife do? We got to get away, just me and you. Whatever it takes. If it takes money, it's going to take money. It's going to cost me money because I'm going to have to take off work. It's going to cost me money to take you somewhere. But it's worth it because this there's nothing more valuable than this relationship. Nothing. So whatever it takes, I'll pay that. So when I find myself in a position with ministry, with my relationship with Jesus, with my love for the church, his body, his bride-to-be, when I find myself in a position where I'm not feeling it anymore and it just doesn't seem right anymore... I think, okay, something's got to happen. Even if it costs me money, it costs me time, it costs me effort, I know this is the relationship that I am supposed to fight for no matter what. 
If I have to tell the guys, I'm not coming in on Wednesday or I'm not coming in on this day, I'm going to take a day off because I'm going to focus on this here because God gave me this. He gave me family bill and he gave me this. And I'm going to make sure I am not turning it into a business that I check off the box and say, okay, I did the church thing. No, no, no. It's not a church thing. It's a relationship that I am stewarding and I am fighting for. I absolutely love the church. I love the body of Christ and I refuse to give up on her. I refuse to give up on her. I will fight for this thing. I will make sure that this relationship stays healthy. Why? Because of the moments where I stop and remember, why am I even here? How how, how did I even get here, Kenny? How did I even get to the position I am? Because me personally, I was Gomer. Standing on the auction block. Selling myself to the highest bidder whether that bitter was pornography, whether that bitter was alcohol, whatever it was, I was just selling out to the, to the highest bidder, whether that was peer pressure, whether that was someone's opinion, whatever it may be, I, was, I chose to leave him. I was raised in it. I knew who God was. I knew how good Jesus was. I chose to leave him. I chose to walk away and say, no, I'd rather sell myself to something else. No, I'd rather give myself to something else. No, I'd rather be somewhere else. I was the prodigal son who went to the father and said, give me what's mine. I don't need the relationship. I just want stuff. So I left. I went away. And I have to look back and remember, he was Jose. And while I was standing on the auction block, he was walking through a crowd of men saying, Josh, where are you at? I know you left and you didn't want me, but I'm here. I'm back for you. That's what this whole thing is about. It's not about how good and how perfect we can put all the things together. It's about the fact that he keeps coming after us. He keeps running us down. He keeps chasing after us. He's just that good. That's what this whole thing is about, is you stopping in the midst of everything you got going on, in the middle of our pity parties, and why we're this, and why we're that, stopping, pausing for a minute, and remembering, I was Jose. No, I wasn't. God is Jose. I was Gomer. I was Peter. I was the prodigal son. I was that person, and he came after me. How? How could I walk away? How could I go back? How could I quit? How could I slow down? He's too good. He's too good. I couldn't even consider it. He's too good. And so I find myself in this place. Even even let's bring it down to a a simpler. I've found myself in the place where it's towards the end of the week and I'm realizing, man, I just, I haven't spent the time. I've been so busy. I've been so busy. I haven't just stopped and been with him. And he deserves so much more. And I may come over on a Friday morning or a Friday evening or something. It's been a crazy, insane week. And the whole time I'm coming over here, I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm walking over here beating myself up thinking, God, you deserve so much more. I keep treating you this way. It's so pathetic that I keep doing this and I'll flip some music on. And by the time I get through that door, he's already met me. And you just feel the grace of God and hot tears running down my face knowing I keep forgetting that he's that good. I keep forgetting that he's that good. 
So when I get in those places and I think, oh God, I've blew it, I've walked away, I've done whatever, maybe I should lay this down or quit this or stop this or whatever it is, wherever you may be at, or maybe it's not even that position, maybe you're just saying, I don't even know if I can come back. I don't know if I can get back to the place I was at because I've just blown it so bad. I want you to picture Gomer standing on the auction block, stripped down, having the insults hurled at her, having uh, men throw money at her as if she's worth nothing. And Gomer standing in the middle of the crowd saying, oh, I'll, I'll pay way more than that because I love her. Because I love her that much. That's what this whole thing is about. It was all about how much he loved us. And we flipped it and turned it about all the things we could do and come up with and make happen. And we get so busy with the business of life and church and ministry. And we just forget these things. And so we come in on a Sunday morning, and Sunday mornings become that box that I'm supposed to check because this is another thing on my list. This is, this is another thing. At work, we do a punch list when we need to wrap something up. So that's what we do. We get up on Sunday morning and go to churches on our punch list, and we knock it out. And we leave here feeling like we did God a favor because we showed up on a Sunday morning. And he's thinking, no, I died on a cross. I gave my son for this just for you to show up and bless me with your presence. No, he, he gave everything. He poured out all that he had, all of heaven for each one of us. And we just turned around and decided, how do we turn it into a successful business? We would never admit it, but that's what we've done. How do we make it a successful business? How do we get people in the door? How do we get people to respond the way we want them to? Instead of just stopping and saying, you know what this whole thing was about? It was just about the fact that he was so good. He was so good to me when I deserved nothing. I don't know about y'all, but I was raised in this thing. I knew right from wrong. I knew how good Jesus was. I had two parents that gave their life to it. And I said, no, I don't want none of that. I don't want God, I don't want church, I don't want nothing that you have to do with. And I slammed the door in the face of God, only to hear him knock on it. I'm still right here. I ain't going nowhere. I'm not going nowhere. So when I get overwhelmed, and I get consumed with all the moving parts and everything that has to be done, and everything that has to be taken care of, now I've learned there's this thing where I can just say la. I'm just here because I love you. Everything else can have to take care of itself because I'm just here because I love you. I'm just here because I trust him. In Psalms 51, David says, Restore unto me the joy of my salvation, and then I'll teach transgressors their ways. Do you realize we can't even reach the lost because we've lost the joy of just being in relationship with him? They don't want to be a part of a business. They're in businesses. They're in life. They're in the stress of all those kinds of things. And the church has just lost the joy of getting to be in relationship with him. The Bible says, I've, been, I've just been so convicted by, by the first church this week, thinking of this. It says in the Bible, they would beat them beyond recognition, and they would leave the city rejoicing. Rejoicing to be in relationship with Jesus Christ. They would rejoice after being beaten because it wasn't about all that. It was about, yeah, but there's a Jesus and he's just so good. He's just that good. He's just that good. 
So I'm not going to quit doing what I'm doing. I'm not going to give up on where I'm at. I'm not going to give any ground up. I'm not going to back up or turn around because it's just about him. I didn't start this for all these things. I started it just for Jesus. It's just about him. I didn't ask to be on a worship team. I just love Jesus, and I love to worship. So guess where I ended up? On a worship team. I sure, sure didn't ask to be no youth pastor. You can ask my wife. I told her out of my own my mouth, I will never be a youth pastor. But I loved Jesus, and I found some youth who needed to be around somebody who loved Jesus. So guess what happened? I just started loving Jesus in front of youth, and it became a youth ministry. You see what happens? And there were so many times where it became so chaotic, and I was away from my family so much, I thought, man, I'm, I can't handle this. This is too much, God. And he would just remind me. He would remind me, yeah, but you're just freely giving it because remember how good it was when I gave it to you? Remember how awesome it was when I gave it to you? So you just turn around and keep giving it. And he has to keep reminding me of his goodness. We give the children of Israel such a hard time because they were so hard-headed. They went around the mountain 40 times because they wouldn't listen, or for 40 years, or whatever it was. They were there a long time. They wouldn't listen. Some of them didn't even get to go in the promised land because they wouldn't listen. They're just so hard-headed. And one minute, God would be just doing incredible miracles, and the next minute, they'd be worshiping a golden calf. And you're like, what? <laughs> what is wrong with you? And this week, reading it, I just begin to see me. I'm the same way. God's so good, and on Sunday morning, I'll come in here, and oh, you didn't have to come, but you did, and you're the best thing ever, and then I'll get up on Monday morning and just bow to the idol of anxiety, bow to the idol of stress, every time. Why? Because we're just like them, but you know what God did? He forgave them, and every time they found their way away from him, he found his way back to them. He's just that good. Can I tell you, he's not done chasing. He's not. He hasn't given up on you, even if you've given up on yourself, because I've done it so many times. David also writes, who am I that you would even be mindful of me? Who am I that you would even think about me? These are the statements that have been just running through my head this week. Who am I that you would be mindful of me? It seems like madness that you would invite me to the table by your side. That's how good he is. Because we don't deserve it. We didn't earn it. Somebody should put that in a song. It would be really good. But he's just that good. So today, I had some really good teacher material I wanted to give you. But you know what God said today? We're going to stop for a minute. We're going to pause. And we're going to remember we're going to remember Jesus. That's what this whole thing is about. So my prayer is that, because we're after some incredible things here. Are y'all with me? Do we want to see God completely change the community, or are we just okay with this country club meeting? Like, we want revival. We want the real thing to show up. And we've heard time after time, it's costly. It's going to take time. It's going to take some effort. Things like this don't happen by accident. There's been so many lessons coming out on farming, on plowing, on planting, on all. The, we understand it's going to take all that. So am I telling you that we're about to hit the pause button and we're not going to do anything and we're all going to sit around and meditate? No, we're not. We're not even at all. But in the midst of it, 
I'm going to have my Selah moments where I remember it's just about Jesus. Like, I'm just going to pause and remember, this is just the fact that he's that good. When I want to see my opportunities that he's given me as a burden, I'm just going to stop and remember how good he is. Because if any of us are all honest, how often do those opportunities feel like burdens? And those are the moments where we want to pull back, we want to do whatever. And he's saying, no, I just need you to stop and remember. Just take you a moment. Pause, because right now, you sound like David in the first two verses, and it's all about you. But I'm this, and this has happened. And what about this? And I can't get this, and I can't do that. And they said this, and they did that. <laughs> Welcome to the church. That's just part of it. But when we stop, Selah, just reflect on the goodness of God. His next verse was, but God, but God. I was overwhelmed over the last two weeks just with just so much happening right now. I can't go into detail on a lot of things, but if any of you, for one, if any of you just run a business, I mean, it's literally nonstop. You're going 24-7. And then a community, a church body, just all those moving parts. Every, and I was just feeling so, me and my wife went out and had a lunch date, what, Friday or Thursday or something. And I was just, so much of that was coming out of me. And I got back over here and went into prayer. While I was in prayer, she texted me. Said, I just felt like God wanted to remind you that you're not the one that has to hold all this up. You're not the one that has to put all these pieces together and make all this thing work. You're just the one that has to keep saying yes, keep loving him. He's gotten you this far. Why do we keep thinking he's going to stop now? Or let me, let me rephrase that because I don't want to put you in my troubles. Why do I keep thinking he's going to stop at one minute and i got to jump in and fill in a gap? It's, it's, the, it's the momentum mindset. Y'all have heard me say this before. We, we, we think about God in momentum a lot. But the problem with the law of momentum is momentum means at some point he has to take his hands off of it for momentum to start. You see what I'm saying? If I was to take a buggy in here and push it across the room, that's momentum. But momentum doesn't even start until I take my hands off. And as soon as his hands come off, that means at some point it has to stop. It's not about momentum. It's about the fact that he is constantly hands-on. He is constantly with us. He is so good to us when we're not even good enough to deserve it. I'm through playing the game that we've got it all figured out and God's blessing us because we're doing so good. If that's you, then we need to build a statue and start bowing at your feet. No, we're only where we are because he's that good. We deliberately picked songs this morning. And if you were paying attention at all, you noticed the theme through all the songs this morning. You came, like you always do. You didn't have to come, but you wanted to. That's the Jesus we serve. Please don't let the business, please don't let the business side of everything rob you of that. Because then I tell you, there's nothing more frustrating than trying to operate in the business of Christianity without Christ. 
There's nothing more frustrating. The most miserable people on the planet were the Sadducees and the Pharisees because they had nailed the business, but they lost the Christ. I don't want to lose Christ in the middle of the business. I don't want to lose Christ in the middle of our business. I want him to be right in the middle of everything. And I want everything to come through him. Just, just some things I'm going to throw out as I'm starting to wrap up. One of, one of the things me and Colby have said, me and Colby, Courtney and Taylor have said from the beginning, is that if we honestly believe God is leading our business, then we don't have to go acquire and chase down jobs. And we're just over two years in now. We've never, we've never taken an ad. We've never, what do you call that, solicited for business. We've never done anything like that. Everything's just come to us. God has just blessed us. He's just brought so many things to us. And I have to so intentionally remain in that mindset that if he wants it to keep going, he'll keep bringing what I need for it to go. Because as soon as I put my hands on it, then I've stepped into the law of momentum. And at some point, I'll have to take my hands off. And then it has an end date. I want to remain that way in, in every aspect of my life. In the church, in the places that I get the privilege to minister. I, I, want, I, want, to, I want to make sure I'm remaining in that mindset. Does that make sense? Are, are you with me? It's so easy to lose sight of what's important because we get focused on all the moving parts. So I want us to think about it first and foremost in your relationship with Jesus Christ. I want you to really think about have I let the business of what I do for Christ rob me of the joy of being with Christ? Because if you lose the joy of being with Him, you'll never find joy in doing things for him. Because can I tell you, most things that we're called to do for Christ are so big that without him, they'll be miserable. Because it's too much for you. It's too much for you to handle. It's too much for you to take on by yourself. You have to have Christ to do it. So today is Life Church's moment. It's our Selah moment to stop, pause, reflect on the goodness of God. See yourself as Gomer standing on the auction block and Jesus is coming in saying, I'll pay the highest price. I'll pay whatever it takes to get them because I love them that much. And that is the most important thing to me right now is to rescue this child, to rescue my bride. That's what he's after. That's what this whole thing is about. The only reason anyone ever starts to share the gospel is because you've been so impacted by the gospel, you think someone else needs to know how good it is freely you have been given or freely you have received freely give it that's the gospel of Jesus Christ I want to get back to the joy of my salvation that ministry feels like me just freely giving out of my joy that it's not a, it's not a punch list anymore it's not I got to check this off the box and I got to move on because there's so many other things to do no this is what I get to do this is my honor it's my privilege because I just loved him so much, this is where he decided to put me. This is, the, this is the ministry he decided to give me. And I want to honor him so well. I want to serve him so well in this. You know, it goes in so many ways. We've talked about Gomer, the children of Israel, the prodigal son, Peter. 
There's also another time with Peter where Peter doesn't go back to an old nature, so to speak, as far as sin and things like that. But Peter gets around some religious people and starts deciding, I'm just going to follow with them and go along with their religious precepts. And so Peter turns again to another direction, to a religious mindset. And I love it because in the moment, Paul just calls him out in front of everybody. It literally says that Paul, in front of the whole crowd, calls Peter out and says, we don't, have, we don't do that no more. That's religious. That's not the freedom of Jesus. But even if you haven't, say we haven't went back to our old lifestyle, we're not back in sin, we're not, but it's so easy to just slip over into a religious lifestyle just a religious mindset where we're just going through the motions and we're just going by the law. We don't really have relationship anymore. We're just checking all the boxes. Can I be your Paul today to say, no, that's not how we do it either. But Jesus is still going to love you and he's still going to pull you out of it and he's still going to chase you down because he's just that good. I just want it to be all about Jesus. I just want it to be all about him today. And nothing takes the focus off Jesus like a pity party. Nothing takes the attention off him like, poor pitiful me, I'm to this, I'm to that. They said this, they said that. So today my prayer is the prayer of David, Psalms 51. Father, restore unto us the joy of our salvation. Because without joy, we're ineffective. Nothing's going to get done. Nothing's going to get accomplished. We're all just going to walk around upset. God, I want to do it for joy. And joy is found in the moments where I look back and say, he's just so good. He's just so much better than we even think he is. He's just so good to me. And in that alone begins to stir up a joy in me. And the joy of the Lord is my strength. Maybe we often find ourselves feeling so weak as it pertains to the church and ministry and the things that we get the privilege to do. But we often find ourselves weak and considering a, a, a burnout mindset because we lost the joy. And the joy is where we find the strength. Often we, we I just, I'm just going to keep sharing some things I'm hearing. So often we get into that place where you're feeling, I keep using this term, that burnout or where you need to lay some things down or step away from some things or back up on something. We get some, and we think, I'm just going to push in and pray harder. I'm going to study harder. I'm going to read more. Those aren't the answer. Joy is. Joy. It's these moments of going back and remembering how good he was, and it begins to stir up joy, and all of a sudden I have a new strength, and I'm like, let's go. Let's do this. Let's go again. I'm ready. I'm ready to go again. Because it's the joy of the Lord. It's the joy of my salvation. Can I tell you, salvation has to be enough. It has to be enough. It can't be, well, he saved me and he gave me all these things. No, 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 no. He just saved me when I didn't deserve to be saved. It seems like madness that he would invite me to sit at the table next to him. That's the joy of this thing. I wish I could explain to you how much I step back and think, why would he even choose me? 
another song this week that just so stuck out to me. In it, he says, I don't really got no trophies. I don't even know why God chose me. It's these types of things that were just running through my mind. I'm thinking, he's just so good. He didn't stop and look at my resume. He didn't stop and say, oh, well, Josh is good at all of these things, so I'm going to go save him. No, his love is just so good. He's not checking off boxes to make sure you're worth it. He's saying, no matter what, you're worth it, and I'm coming to get you. I'm coming to save you. I'm coming to rescue you. If you're a prodigal this morning, if you're Peter this morning, if you're religious this morning, if you're wherever you found yourself out, he's saying, you're worthy, and I'm coming to get you. Once again, I'm coming to get you. So today, we just stop, and we, ref- we, we pause in his presence, and we say, that's enough. It's enough. It's enough to motivate me to keep going and do anything and everything, to keep pressing in, to keep fighting, to keep going, to keep moving, to keep loving, to keep ministering, to keep speaking, to keep worshiping, to keep whatever it may be. It's enough because he stepped in and saved me when I didn't deserve it. It's enough. So wherever he calls me and whatever he asks of me, he's worth it. Because he's already done more than enough. Father, I thank you this morning. I'm so thankful that you're so faithful. That would make a good song. I'm so, so thankful that you're so faithful. You know, the Bible actually says that he's faithful even when you're not. That's actually a scripture. It says he is faithful when you're not faithful. Because he's that much better. (laughs) He's that good. Am I stressing enough this morning how good he really is? Because when we understand how good he is, nothing is asking too much. He can never ask too much of me because he's been so good. I don't know how else to get this out. I feel like I'm going to explode up here. Father, I'm just thankful this morning. Thank you that you've paused us. You've stopped. I thank you that we've taken a moment to just maybe unplug, wait a minute, before we restart. And that in doing so, we remember the goodness of God. The but God demonstrated his love for us. That while we were still sinners, while he knew what we would do and how we would treat him, he said, they're worth it and I'm going to get them. They're worth it and I'm going to chase them down. Surely your goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I thank you for that today, God. I just pray for the joy of salvation to begin to return to your children again. And as that joy begins to flood them and they remember the goodness of God in their life, that it would bring a new level of strength into the body of Christ again. And we would be strengthened for what's coming. We would be strengthened for the revival that is at hand. We would be strengthened by the joy of our salvation. And everything would be built on the joy of a Jesus who was willing to come when we didn't deserve it. That everything is based on that. Everything is built on that. We choose to know nothing except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Father, we hang everything on that today and we declare that the joy of our salvation is enough strength to do everything that you have called us to do. And we thank you for it this morning. I thank you this morning, God. I feel strengthened today after a pause. I feel strengthened after my Selah. I just declare that strength on your children as we begin to learn to pause and reflect on how good you've really been to us. Thank you for it. We thank you in Jesus' name.
Amen. I love you guys. Thank you for hanging with me this morning. I pray that you go home and you learn to pause. You learn to reflect on the goodness of God. There will be prayer here tonight. Uh, six o'clock, right, Jen? Six o'clock, we'll be having prayer here tonight. There will be no Life Academy today. Several of us are going to be out of pocket. So come back tonight. Pray with us. We're expecting good things. Go online. Find the service. Watch the video if you're up at 8 o'clock at night. We love you. We'll see you Wednesday. Thank you for listening to this live.